Hey y'all, Eve's here. We're doubling up today with two events in history. One from me and one from former host Tracy V. Wilson. On with the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hi, I'm Holly Fry, and I am sitting in this week for Tracy V. Wilson. It is December 26th, and on this day in 1966, Kwanzaa was celebrated for the first time. Just in case you do not know, Kwanzaa is a seven-day pan-African holiday, and it's intended to celebrate African family, culture, and community. But it grew out of a really tumultuous time. In a six-day stretch during August of 1965, the predominantly black Los Angeles neighborhood of Watts was devastated by a series of riots which started with a traffic stop that quickly escalated into a massive conflict between police and the neighborhood's residents. By the time the riots ended, 34 people had been killed and another 1,032 injured. 1,000 buildings were destroyed, and an estimated $40 million in damages was done. Dr. Maulana Karinga, a faculty member and former chair of Black Studies at California State University at Long Beach, was an activist a year into his doctoral work in African affairs at UCLA at the time. In an effort to rebuild a sense of community, Karenga founded the organization US to encourage cultural unity among African Americans. And under the auspices of US, Karenga organized Black Power rallies and also created the idea of Kwanzaa. The first week-long Kwanzaa celebration began on December 26th of 1966. And Karenga is a controversial figure. He was born Ronald McKinley Everett in 1941, and he took the name Maulana, which means master teacher in Swahili, and Karenga, which means keeper of tradition in the same language, while he was working on his doctorate. He has come under criticism from a variety of quarters. His past as an activist has been characterized as extremist. His organization, US, was in conflict with the Black Panthers in the 1960s, which often led to violence, sometimes lethal. The FBI investigated us and the Black Panthers, and in 1968, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover called both the Black Panther Party and us black extremist groups. Hoover also felt that the Panthers and us needed to be kept divided to prevent a union between them, which would consolidate power. In 1971, Karenga fell into conflict with his own colleagues in the US organization. Also that year, he was convicted and served time for felonious assault and imprisonment in a case which involved the torture of two women who witnesses said Karenga believed to be plotting against him. Karenga has consistently denied any involvement with this incident. He was released in 1975. In relation to Kwanzaa, Karenga has also been criticized, in that case for allowing it to become a commercial holiday, in conflict with the ideals of celebrating and exploring African identity and community. But despite the criticisms leveled against its creator, in the decades since its inception, Kwanzaa has become part of millions of people's holiday celebrations around the world. It is, at this point, bigger than its creator, and it has become associated with finding and celebrating joy and pride in African heritage and traditions. Harvest celebrations from a variety of African cultures, including Ashanti and Zulu, have inspired and informed the practices of the holiday. The name for Kwanzaa comes from the phrase Matunda Ya Kwanzaa, which translates from the Swahili to first fruits. 
Words in Swahili were specifically chosen for the holiday because it is a language spoken by a large number of people, and the language is not connected to any specific region or tribe in Africa. Karenga has described it as a non-ethnic tongue. Each of Kwanzaa's seven days of celebration from December 26th to January 1st is dedicated to one of the seven principles of Kwanzaa called Nguzo Saba. Those principles are unity, self-determination, collective responsibility, cooperative economics, purpose, creativity, and faith. As any holiday, there are variations in the way Kwanzaa is celebrated from home to home and community to community. But for most, a candle is lit each night in a candle holder called a kinara, often by a child, and then there is discussion focused on the principle related to that day. On December 31st, the final night of Kwanzaa, there is a feast called a karamu. And the final day, January 1st, is one of reflection. Thanks to Eves Jeffcoat for research on this episode and for Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays doing their amazing sound work on it. You can always subscribe to This Day in History class on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Tomorrow, we will have a story of sobriety and a little bit of violence. Hey everyone, Eves here. It's the holiday season and I'm at home keeping really cozy, but history must go on. So here we are. Let's get into another episode. The day was December 26th, 1780. Scottish mathematician, scientist, and science writer Mary Somerville was born. Her works made contemporary scientific ideas more accessible to a wider audience and influenced how physical science developments were discussed. Mary was born Mary Fairfax in Jetbra, Scotland. She was the fifth of seven children born to Vice Admiral Sir William George Fairfax and Margaret Fairfax, both of whom came from well-off families. Because her father was in the Royal Navy, he was often at sea, Her mother homeschooled her when she was young. Mary learned to read, but she did not learn to read very well, and she could not write. Girls were expected to learn household and social skills, and Mary did chores and learned from the Bible. Beyond that, she often spent time by the seashore and moors. When Mary was around 10 years old and her father returned home from a long absence, he was unhappy with the fact that she could not read well or write and did not know math. So he sent her off to a boarding school in the town of Musselburgh. But the elite school was not a good fit for Mary. Though she learned some handwriting, grammar, math, and French at the school, she only stayed there for a year. As a teenager, Mary spent a lot of time in social activities, like going to concerts and parties. But she also began studying on her own. After seeing algebraic symbols in a magazine, she gained an interest in algebra. And she was an avid reader. She took advantage of her family's library, studying navigation, Greek, Latin, and geometry. Her parents tried to keep her from studying math because they believed that studying such a complex academic subject could cause girls physical and mental harm. They even took her candles so she couldn't study at night. But she did manage to educate herself in secret. Her brother's tutor bought her books, and she memorized some books. 
and an uncle helped her with classical studies. In 1804, Mary was forced to marry her first cousin, Samuel Grieg, who was a captain in the Russian Navy. They moved to London and had two sons, one of whom died as a baby. She had a little more leeway to study math and science now that she was married, but Samuel did not support her intellectual pursuits. He died in 1807, and she returned to Scotland with her son. The death of her husband brought her more financial freedom and allowed her to pursue her studies openly. She studied higher math and physical astronomy, and she read Isaac Newton's book, Mathematical Principles of Natural Philosophy, on the laws of motion and universal gravitation. Her studies were encouraged by some scholars like William Wallace, a professor of mathematics at Edinburgh University. In 1812, she married Dr. William Somerville, an army doctor who was also her cousin. But unlike Samuel Grieg, he supported her studies. She began studying geology and botany. The couple moved to London and had four children together, though only two survived to adulthood. In London, they became friends with other scientists like William Herschel and Caroline Herschel, as well as Charles Babbage. In 1826, Mary published her first scientific paper on the magnetizing power of the more refrangible solar rays. Though the paper was praised and she continued doing experiments with solar radiation, the idea that the sun's radiation could magnetize substances was proven incorrect. Her own research got some attention, but her translations and works detailing other scientific research and discoveries was more popular. Mary spent four years translating and condensing mathematician Pierre-Simon Laplace's Celestial Mechanics, and in 1831, the more accessible Mechanism of the Heavens was available to the public. Three years later, her second book, The Connection of the Physical Sciences, was published. The book summarized what was known about the physical sciences and showed how the sciences connected with one another. Mary and Caroline Herschel were the first women who were named honorary members of the Royal Astronomical Society. Somerville continued her scientific work after her husband and son died in 1860 and 1865, respectively. She wrote Physical Geography, which was published in 1848. Another notable work of hers was On Molecular and Microscopic Science, which was basically outdated by the time it was published in 1869. Mary died at her home in Italy in 1872. The next year, her autobiography was released. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have any burning questions, you can send them to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at TDIHC Podcast. And if you would prefer, you can send them to us via email at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you here again same time tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.